I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. And welcome back to Snacks with Stein. I'm Christy and I'm here with Danielle. Well, I'm not here with Danielle. I'm Christy and Danielle's in California. And we are back at you again to bring you another story. Hello from California. Danielle, what are you going to be snacking on tonight while I tell you stuff? I'm being super boring once again and having what my friends call my grandma snack. And it's raisinets, which are chocolate-covered raisins for the uninformed. Oh, raisins. I like raisins. I know it's a controversial opinion, but I like raisins, okay? Uh, A lot of people do. It's okay. (laughs) It's all right. It's fruit. It's how I have chocolate and fruit. Okay. (laughs) I don't know why I hate raisins. I just do. I feel like they've, it's like, uh, it's like they've already been eaten. <laughs> All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let's jump right into it. I've, uh, I've got a glass of wine, so I apologize Yay. ahead of time. It's been a long day mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're going to tell this story. We're going back to Fear Street and we chose Night Games. Is this a naughty book? It I sounds like dirty, naughty- doesn't it? No, it's not. I chose this one because I couldn't find the other one that I wanted to do. And it still has not surfaced. So, yeah. So this is the one we got instead. It was the next one on the shelf. So I figured it was as good as any. Um, And again, it sounded kind of dirty. Copyright is 1996 by Parachute Press. And by the way, 1996 was 24 years ago. Why do you remind us of these things? I'm just saying. Just say it was yesterday. Like, it was yesterday. <laughs> the cover of this one is a pretty blonde girl. And she's she's good looking. She's got this, like, long kind of blondish, fluffy cheerleader type hair. She's on the cover with this sort of bad boy type. And he's helping her out of a window by the hand. <laughs> We're not sure why she's escaping wherever she's escaping, but she's escaping into a graveyard. Yeah. And it kind of looks like she's wearing his leather jacket. So it makes it even like, you know, what were they doing where they were? But whatever. Mm-hmm. And the tagline reads, nighttime is the right time for trouble. This is definitely a dirty book. I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So far, of all the ones that I've read, he never goes much farther than heavy petting. And even and even then, that's rare. Like, most of the time, it's mostly just, like, kissing and necking kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. This one must have been part of, like, a boxed set because there's no printed price on the hmm. outside. Hang on. What? <laughs> I was just wondering if when are we going to have dessert? Get your dessert, please. For the love of God. <laughs> Close the door. I love you. <laughs> Lord. I love you. <laughs> okay, close the door. <laughs> I want to keep that in there. When are we happy? Keep it in. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter asking for ice cream right after she's eaten. And I'm like, dude, can you just like digest for a few minutes? And then whatever. Mm, I've lost my place. Uh, we were still talking about the cover, I think. A little bit. Oh, so there's no price printed on this yes. one. So I feel like it probably came in like a boxed set. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. actually ever meant to be sold by itself because there's always a price in the books. This one doesn't have in it. Yeah, I'm, I Googled it. Well, let's look at the picture. And yeah, most of the pictures, I don't see a price either. So maybe you're right. But yeah, this one came in like a lot of books that I bought from eBay a couple of years ago. So they're all mixed up. Yeah. Side note, I have my eye on a collector's edition of 99 Fear Street. And it's one of those where you get all three books in one. And that is the haunted house 
series within the series. So I think I might save that for like the fall when we're getting ready for Halloween. Yes. Um, And I might do all three books in a row. So we'll see how it goes. But for now, let's get into this one. Holy crap. This one starts with a bunch of characters. (laughs) Okay. So there's the narrator. Her name is Diane. There's Lenny, Cassie, and Jordan. And they're all walking out of the dance club. Do you remember what the dance club's called, Danielle? Something red. Red hat. Red heat. Red heat. (laughs) Yes, we found it on the map. There's a very useful map because they're running all over town in this book. If you go to the Facebook page, I have posted a picture of Shadyside. And there's a very useful map that will help you understand like where they're going. So they are walking out of red heat and they're walking to their house. Cassie and Jordan, they're a couple and they're that couple that's constantly fighting. Cassie, she's pretty. She's very straight laced. Jordan, he's he's good looking, but he has a real problem with flirting kind of with anything in a skirt. They've all just spent the night dancing. They're walking down the road and they pass by Mr. How am I going to pronounce this? (laughs) It's got to be Corwell. They pass by Mr. Corwell's house. Mr. Corwell is their evil math teacher who has gone like 100% Clark Griswold on his house for Christmas. <laughs> Whole property is lit up like Vegas with Christmas lights and Santas and all the crap you can think of. <laughs> and this is before the inflatable stuff everywhere. I love the inflatable. <laughs> I like it because it's so sad in the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They do look really sad in the daytime. You drive around, you're like, wow. It's like a whole yard of just deflated. <laughs> There's one house by us who has at least like four in their yard. And it's just, it's like a massacre. It's like they're all just blocked. <laughs> like, oh, jeez. Each night they raise them from the dead. Mm-hmm. My favorite is we had a neighbor this year who at Halloween got the sandworm from Beetlejuice. Which okay. was awesome. And we're like, sweet. So we took pictures of it. It was really cool. And then November comes, still up. December comes. It became a Christmas sandworm. <laughs> I love it. Did it get a hat? It did. It got a hat. <laughs> and it, ha- it had like some other kind of Christmas accoutrement near it. And I was like, this guy, I like this guy. He's just this- like, we should be friends. <laughs> I am committed to this sandworm. It was like $150. So it stayed up. <laughs> While I find this kind of like overbearing, decorating, charming, because <laughs> I I just I enjoy people who kind of like throw up their middle finger at their HOA. He's not actually a charming guy. This is the teacher that hates kids. All the the students hate him. He's a math teacher. He doesn't let them use a calculator. There was some talk about once Diane like forgot her book, and so he dropped her grade a letter. I love that it's math. Like, it has yeah. to be a math teacher, not an English teacher, a math teacher. <laughs> oh, fuck math. No, math's terrible. <laughs> exactly. This particular math teacher, for some reason, he seems to be the hardest on Lenny, mostly because Lenny's kind of a punk. Mm. He's that kid in class that doesn't give a fuck. Like, he's he's going to talk back. He's going to do pretty much whatever he wants. And this is that kind of Nazi teacher that doesn't tolerate that in any way shape or form so they're always looking at a chance to get at one another in class so they pretty much hate each other and Lenny suggests that they go over there and smash up part of his display to kind of get back at him he wants to go back to his house get his dad's jeep run back and forth (laughs) over this guy's Christmas decorations that's awful (laughs) yeah Lenny and Diane are a couple Like I said, Lenny's kind of a bad boy. He's kind of a punk. He's like that leather jacket wearing diamond stud in the ear. Just doesn't play by the rules. And Diane finds that super hot. And they decide that maybe, you know, felonies are a bad idea tonight. And they keep walking down the street. (laughs) They're going along and they notice someone climbing out of a like two-story window of a house they're passing. And they start to kind of freak out because they assume that this is somebody who's just robbed the place. Because why the fuck else... Would someone be climbing out this two-story window? Enter Spencer. 
Spencer is the dude climbing out the window. When Diane sees him, she kind of runs over. She gives him a big hug. She and Spencer used to be really good friends, but she hasn't seen him in like a year. Right around the time that she and Lenny started dating, Spencer is one of those people who can say almost anything with a straight face. Like you can never tell when they're joking. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. I like to be able to read somebody and I like to know where I stand. And I was just going to ask you if you ever knew someone like that. I know a few people like that. And they just think it's the funniest ever when you're like, what? And so I try really hard not to give a reaction when they start being stupid. And I'm like, I'm going to let you do that. And then when you're ready, you can talk to me. (laughs) I don't like being toyed with. Just talk. (laughs) Exactly. I hate it. I hate hate games and surprises. I'm like, just be a human. That's all I ask of you. Well, that is Spencer. Spencer is that guy. (laughs) And it turns out that Spencer is actually crawling out of his own window. He's sneaking out. He explains, you know, sometimes he likes to sneak out after midnight and have adventures. He's even got a name for it. He calls it Night Games. And he invites them, all four of them, to come along. Diane takes kind of another look at Spencer. I mean, she, she hasn't seen him in a year. He didn't answer her calls. He, he, kind of, he moved away and pretty much didn't say anything. And back when she knew him, he was kind of goofy, like, and a little bit chunky. You know, he was not, he was, he was a husky. Now, he seemed really tall, athletic. And he's got this shoulder-length blonde hair and a five o'clock shadow. And, you know, he's sneaking out of windows and such. He, he kind of explains, you know, last year he, he had to suddenly move away. His grandma got sick. Um, and they've just moved back. But he's not going to Shadyside High. He's going to private school. It's very interesting that this little town is big enough to have not only two teen dance clubs, but also a private school. Any noodles. So Spencer invites them all along for a night game. And they all kind of look at each other and go, Okay. And they head off into the dark, and they follow Spencer. Now, Danielle, I'm scared to ask you this question, because your mom is our number one fan, and she is probably listening. But did you ever legit sneak out? No. And that is the God's honest truth. I was a very good child, which our number one fan will attest to. It's true. I was a boring, boring child. If I stayed out late, they knew like where I was, like in high school, especially like if I ever went out, I was like, I'm going to be out until X number of hours. And I could stay out late because I was generally good. So they never worried about me. (laughs) All right. No, I never snuck out either. Like I (laughs) super lame. I, I don't know. Now, I did every once in a while, I would pull a thing where I would be like, I'm sleeping over at so-and-so's house. And we totally weren't sleeping over at so-and-so's house. Mm -hmm. But I never climbed out my window or any bullshit like that. Yeah, I did the thing where you say you're going to be one place. You're like, oh, we're going. And then you end up 30 different places that you didn't. Now, the whole group is following Spencer down the street. And they come up on this white tourist parked at the end. And they can see that there's a couple inside. And they're definitely making out. Okay. So Spencer pulls like a flashlight out of his back pocket. And he goes up and starts banging on the car window and pretends to be a cop. And he like orders the kid out of the car. So this kid jumps out of the car. He's trying to like write his clothing. And Spencer's got this flashlight shining in his face. And it only takes a couple minutes for this kid to realize Spencer's not a fucking cop. He starts to become very disgruntled and act like he's going to kick everybody's ass. And Spencer thinks this is hilarious. And basically, okay, run. And so everybody runs. The kid from the car starts running, but doesn't really give chase. And they all make it back to Spencer's back front yard. And he starts howling like a wolf. Okay. Okay. So we're all invigorated by our little prank, which was stupid. And and we run back to Spencer's house and we've got away with it. And now we've all gotten a little high off this feeling. And won't it be great if we meet up here tomorrow night after midnight? And pull some okay. more bullshit. So they all agree. This is a good idea. They're going to meet up Monday night after midnight. And they're going to run amok. I love it. 
So the next day in math class, they're all trying not to fall asleep. <laughs> and Mr. How did I pronounce it? Growl? Corn. Corwell? Cornwall. Corwalls. How do you? Okay. How do you C- spell it? It's C-R-O-W-E-L-L. Like Crowell. Crowell. That's Crowell? so... <laughs> I'm not British. I don't know these things. It's going to be Crowell. I'm going to call mm-hmm. him Crowell. So the next time I yes. ask, it's Crowell. Okay. So they're trying not to fall asleep in Mr. Crowell's class. <laughs> um, and Lenny and Mr. Crowell get into an argument over something stupid. Okay, Lenny acts like he's going to actually, like, punch out his teacher. Diane kind of pulls him out of it at the last minute, and Lenny storms out of class. And Cassie and Diane are kind of hanging back, and they're talking about how Lenny's kind of hot-headed. He needs to calm down because Mr. Crowell has already gotten Lenny suspended twice. Mm -hmm. And if it happens again, Lenny's going to have to change schools. Also, Cassie lets it slip that she knows that Mr. Crowell has, like, a heart condition. And if Lenny's not careful, he'll give him a heart attack. Oh, jeez. Right? (laughs) So this is a good time to take a quick second and talk about liminal space. Mm. Diane, do you know what liminal space is? Did you just call me Diane? Damn it, Danielle. (laughs) (laughs) We have to keep that in there. Do we keep it or do do we just put it on the blooper reel? The Um, blooper reel. (laughs) Yeah, it'll go on the blooper reel. Okay, liminal space. Liminal space. I can't say that I do. Yes. So the word (laughs) liminal comes from the Latin word meaning threshold. And it's it's a transitional term. It's it describes an in-between place. It's, it's somewhere where you're not where you're going. It's the place you walk through to get there. When people talk about liminal spaces, it's usually somewhere that is deserted when it shouldn't be. So like if you're on a beach very early in the morning and there's no one there, or, you know, in a park that should be busy very late at night. Um, you know how at Disney World they do those after hours passes where there's nobody yeah. there? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that would be considered like a liminal space. Those spaces are in transition between what their normal state is and something else. I learned something new. Well, is everybody smarter? Yes. Good. (laughs) That night, when everyone waits until midnight to sneak out of their house, they all meet up at Spencer's house and they kind of take out off into the night. And this is where that liminal space thing starts to happen. Because it's in those spaces that we feel kind of dreamy, kind of otherworldly. In our mind, it should be one way and it is another. So that's kind of what these kids are feeling because the town is pretty much empty. Everything is quiet. There's no one around. And instead of being creeped out by this kind of Twilight Zone version of their town, they're kind of invigorated by it. Like they get kind of high off it. I mean, they own Shadyside at night. And they end up making their way over to evil Mr. Crowell's house and his god-awful Christmas display. Spencer convinces everyone that they should go up and, like, spy on their teacher. So they go over and they look into his windows and they see what this old guy's house looked like. And and they want to see kind of, like, what he does for fun. So they look in the window. Mind you, this is after, after midnight, Okay, but for some reason, he's still awake. The lights are on. Their math teacher is up. He's trimming a Christmas tree by himself. He doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have children. There's Christmas music playing. And when he's done trimming this tree, he turns out the lights and sits in his, like, armchair and just watches the tree. That's so cute. It's adorable. But mind you, he he is a jerk. He hates the kids. But, like, he loves Christmas. But somehow he loves, he loves Christmas. <laughs> I don't I don't know. He doesn't appear to be drunk. That seems like a drunk thing to do. <laughs> like to be up in the middle of the night trimming the tree by yourself. We can't say I haven't done it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're not judging. Okay. We're not throwing any shade. <laughs> All I'm saying but, is it'd be hard to do that sober. 
But here's the thing, though. Like, I don't like teenagers at all. And I love Christmas. So I get this guy. I get him. You are, He's like, you are really identifying Mr. Corral. I hate my job. I hate math. Who likes math? No one. And I just want to go home and decorate my tree. <laughs> like, I get it. Yeah. And, and then sit in the dark and look at it. Like, that's, yep. that's, what, you, that's what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So he turns off the lights, sits in the dark, to look at the tree. So the girls are like, this is boring. We don't want to just look in this guy's window. And the guys <laughs> agree. Like, they start to walk away from the house. When Spencer starts going on a rampage on all these Christmas decorations, he starts, like, smashing lights and, like, throwing shit into the street. He is in this frenzy. And he even picks up some shit and, like, throws it at the house. Oh, my God. So Mr. Crowell comes out on the porch and he starts screaming, I can see you. And they all take off running. But really, now they're all fucked because he saw them. He knows who they are. They're in his class. Who could have thought that this would have taken a bad turn? I'm shocked. Shocked. Be shocked. So the girls, they're horrified when they get back to Spencer's and the boys are laughing their asses off. They're talking about how cool they are and felonies are awesome. And then they start to talk about what they're going to do when they all sneak out again the next night. Cassie is done. Okay. Cassie's straight laced. She's like, fuck you guys. We're not doing this anymore. But also wherever Cassie's boyfriend goes, so goes Cassie. Right. Yeah. Diane doesn't really like the direction that this little group is taking, but she decides, you know, it'll be okay to sneak out as long as Spencer, get this, as long as Spencer promises that he's going to tell them before he does anything crazy next time. That's it. And Spencer's like, sure, I'll tell you before I go insane. No problem. (laughs) And they're like, all right, well, that's good enough for me. Let's, we'll meet up next night. Here we go. Bye. Bye. Everybody (laughs) runs off to their house. When Diane gets home, her phone in her room is ringing, which is weird because it's about 3 a.m. Oh, my parents are going to wake up. I'm freaking caught. Who's calling me at 3 a.m.? It's Brian. Brian, she dated a year ago and broke up with to start dating Lenny. And lately, Brian's been kind of weird he's been after diane to get back together and she's already told him like i'm very happy with lenny you need to do what you need to do we're not getting back together but now he's calling her at 3 a.m to talk about getting back together she yells at him for calling in the middle of the night and she reminds him that she's got a boyfriend brian's like your boyfriend is kind of bad news nobody likes him you should just go ahead and dump him and come back and date me And she's, you know, basically tells him, go fuck himself. That's not going to happen. And he says something about, you know, you'll be sorry and threats, 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 blah, 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 whatever. She slams down the phone because, you know, fuck him. The phone rings again. She picks it up and she thinks it's Brian. So she starts in on him, but it's not Brian. There's another voice on the end of the line. And it's kind of scratchy and whispery. And all they say is, I saw you. I saw what you did. I know all about your night games. And the person hung up. Do you feel sad that this kind of horror movie gag, it's, it's going to be extinct? Because with cell phones, there's not really any way to print call anyone anymore. It is sad. Because, I mean, before, you truly, you did not know who was calling. Oh. Before caller ID... You didn't know unless they told you. I mean, look at it this way. We have one of the greatest horror movies of all time in When a Stranger Calls. Yeah. Like, that's that's a classic. And right. that we can never do that now. There's there is no kids if a kid sat down and watched that today, they would have no basis of reality. They'd be like, What's that thing she's talking in? You know, they would have no clue. <laughs> It'd be, it'd be like when a stranger telegraphs <laughs> and the ticker tape starts to like come out of it all threatening like. I want to send a very angry telegram 
stop. Period. I'm in the house. Stop. Stop. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's a classic. And Scream. Think about Scream without the phone. What is Scream without the phone? A text? How boring. I'm trying to remember. Did she have color ID in Scream? I don't think so. I mean, maybe, you know, it maybe was, they had. Because no, because she could have just called It was a cordless phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a cordless phone. Yeah, it was a cordless phone. But like sometimes those cordless phones had a readout on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So but I don't know. I think in the five, I remember right. She was like in her kitchen and didn't, I didn't remember seeing the receiver. Like, I mean, seeing the, what's the thing? The box that it sat on. The collar ID um, box. Yeah. Because yeah. it was a separate box that plugged mm-hmm. into your phone. Right. And, and it would flash up, you know, if, if they were listed. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, right. Otherwise it would be unknown. And was Ghostface listed? I don't know. I don't know. Next time we'll <laughs> see if it pops up Ghostface. Person hangs up. And now we go back in time. We have a flashback. We're going to go back to last winter. It's one year ago. The story is being told from Spencer's point of view. Okay. Remember Spencer is kind of the oh, chubby yes. kid that got hot and came back and disappeared. Whatever. And Spencer is in his like piece of shit car he's driving up this long twisty snowy road to his uncle's cabin okay uncle is loaded he's got this ski cabin up in the up in the mountains and he's invited the whole gang along he's invited jordan and cassie and diane and lenny all up to the cabin for some like holiday fun they're gonna hang out in the snow they're gonna possibly ski this is an overnight trip and again seriously in high school But okay. Yeah. Parents. Where the fuck are your parents? But apparently, like, all these kids are just going to go on this overnight ski trip. Whatever. And this is a year ago. So they're definitely not seniors. They're at least juniors. Yeah. But this is my thing, though. When I was in high school, there was clearly a separation of, like, the kids who had money and the kids who didn't, you know? And Mm -hmm. I always felt the kids who had money were doing overnights and doing this and doing that. So maybe... Yeah, I mean, in my, I mean, when you hear things like, oh, so-and-so did something on the weekend, it was like, oh, we went here and we did that. And you know parents weren't there. So is it the situation of like, oh, we don't care about our kids? You know, what's the situation? Whereas like my parents would let me stay over at a friend's house, but it was like, is their mom going to be there or their dad going to be there? Or, you know, sometimes oh, an yeah. older sibling. You yeah, know. they had to know who it was. Yeah. And um, I, there was more than once where my mom, like, called their mom and talked oh, to totally. them. Oh, mm-hmm. totally. Totally. Um, yeah. But I think that rich kid thing might be a deal because I think it's about, like, plausible deniability. If you don't want to know mm-hmm. what they're doing, yeah, then maybe you can't be held accountable when they mm-hmm. inevitably get in trouble. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but that's, that's what's going on here. These kids are all <laughs> having an overnight. So he's driving up this road. He's thinking about how he only wishes he could share this trip with a girlfriend. And of course, he's in love with Diane. And he's kicking himself for not asking her out when she broke up with Brian. Lenny got there first. So the couples arrive at the cabin. And they immediately start treating Spencer like crap. Okay, Spencer is the punching bag of this group. There's fat jokes. There's like general bullshit stuff that happens when you've got two couples and then a standalone guy who everybody seems to kind of keep around to make fun of. That's Spencer, which is ridiculous because this is Spencer's fucking house. Yeah. Okay. I think I'd be nicer to the host, but that's just me. You're here because of him. Exactly right. They get a fire going. Um, They start, you know, talking about what they're going to watch on TV. Diane... And Lenny starts to fight, like, right off the bat. Because Lenny's kind of a douche. Like, he wants everything his way. He's going to fight you about every single little thing. Um, And Diane's being annoying about not calling Lenny um, on being that way. Um, This seems to be a theme for her. So she's one of those people who allows the people around them to misbehave in the name of, like, oh, that's just how they are. and nothing pisses me off more than this attitude. They're all hanging out in the living room and this 
big gust of wind hits the house and it blows open the back door and the power goes out. The snowstorm has taken out the power. So they light a lantern, they light some candles. Diane (laughs) and Lenny are having another fight. And Lenny is yelling about how he didn't even want to come on this trip. And Diane is like, well, why don't you just go wait in the car then? So Lenny grabs his coat and heads out in the snowstorm to wait in the car for the weekend. What? (laughs) Everyone decides to ignore Lenny's little tantrum. And Jordan and Cassie start making out. I mean, there's candles. It's a snowstorm. It happens. Why not? Why not? I mean, you're sitting in a a living room full of people. It's fine. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of makes the other people in the room sort of uncomfortable. So... Spencer's like, well, I guess I'm going to go collect some wood for the fire. <laughs> and he goes out to the wood pile and Diane's like, well, can I come with you? And Spencer's like, yeah, sure, whatever, because he wants her to be near him at all times. And they go out and he starts kind of loading some wood up in his arms. And Diane's doing that thing where she complains about her boyfriend and how he treats her and all this stuff. And Spencer's trying to listen, but mostly he's also kind of slipping this, like little opening she's given him and he goes in to kiss her and he actually lands the kiss and she doesn't push him away but right about the time he lands this kiss Lenny materializes out of nowhere and like hauls Spencer off Diane punches him in the mouth oh my god square in the jaw right Mm -hmm. and that's the end of the flashback So we got a little bit of backstory. Now we're going to jump back to the present. Mm. Cassie and Diane are eating at Pete's Pizza. And (laughs) you got to go find it on the map. It's there. Diane's telling Cassie about Brian's like middle of the night phone call. And about how she's concerned about him acting like a stalker after all this time. I mean, they haven't been together for well over a year. But she's also kind of concerned about Lenny who seems more touchy and moody than he normally is. These blow-ups that he has, they seem to be getting more frequent, and she's not really sure what to do to calm him down. They also start talking about how much hotter Spencer is this year. Hotter and more dangerous, which makes Mm -hmm. him even more attractive, right? And right about that time, Lenny shows up in the restaurant. He's all red-faced, and he kind of slumps into the booth, and he tells her that, Mr. Crowell has gotten him kicked off the basketball team. He's failing his class. He made sure his coach knew that. And now he's kicked off the basketball team. So Lenny dealt with that information in the most mature way possible and punched his metal locker, cut the shit out of his hand doing it. So he's bleeding. They're trying to like, you know, bandage him up at the table at this pizza restaurant. It's kind of a weird thing that's happening. Yeah. Okay. Jordan shows up. Jordan, who is on the basketball team, and he's like, hey, buddy, like, the whole team knows that you got kicked off for failing Mr. Crowell's class. So they decide that tonight, when they sneak out, they're going to go back to Mr. Crowell's house, and they're going to get him. They're going to get revenge. So why does our main character keep doing this after the (laughs) shenanigans of last night? I mean, she knows the guys are probably going to do something crazy and possibly illegal. The, it all boils down to they just really like playing in this liminal space. Stein describes it really well, so I'm going to quote him here, which I never do, but he really got a handle on it. And he says, Diane says, quote, Freedom. That's what it was. An exciting kind of freedom that made our skin tingle, made our senses more alert, and made our hearts beat a little faster. End quote. So I thought he he really summed that up well. Like, that's why we keep venturing out into this thing. It's exciting. That night, when they sneak out, Spencer's late to join up. He's late by about 30 minutes. He says he fell asleep, but whatever. Lenny immediately starts campaigning for them to go over and, like, fuck up Mr. Crowell's house. Lenny's pissed. He wants revenge. He wants to take it further this time. They make their way through the deserted town. When they get to Mr. Crowell's house, they kind of stop and wait for a minute because his house is totally dark. Not a single light on 
which wouldn't be weird, but we know that he's got this huge Christmas display, but it, it's completely turned off. So they creep up to the house, Spencer's out in front, and Spencer goes straight for a window, and he calls over his shoulder that they're going in. Cassie is the voice of reason here. She's the one that's like yell whispering for everyone that this is a bad idea. Nobody listens to fucking Cassie. They all go through the window. The teacher is clearly not home. And they, they stand around talking about like, what are they gonna do? What are they gonna do? They're here in this house. And Lenny's like, let's trash the place. Like, let's smash some stuff. Let's, let's really, really mess it up. Spencer's like, no, here's what we do. We move some things around just a little bit. Like just enough to freak him out when he comes home. And everybody agrees, this is brilliant. They're gonna freak out their teacher. They're not actually gonna like destroy anything, but they're, they're, gonna, they're gonna mess stuff up so that they can get a little bit of revenge. So they yeah. spread out into the house and they start moving through and they start turning pictures upside down in their frames and they'll swap some furniture around and they'll change flowers from like one vase to another. All these little things, right? Diane moves upstairs and she turns a light on in the master bedroom and then closes the door. Di diabolical, Diane. Just diabolical. <laughs> He'll never know if he left that light on or not. <laughs> they all kind of collect in the front room and they're kind of giggling about all the little things that they've done. But Lenny is nowhere to be found. And then like a wash of light falls over them from the street. It's headlights. Mr. Crowell is in the driveway and he's pulling up to the house. So everybody flips out and they're headed for the back door. Lenny's nowhere to be found. Spencer is carrying Mr. Crowell's CD player, which at the time would have been a, probably a pretty good thing to steal. Yeah. And they were pretty expensive. Diane is kind of like yelling at him about what the hell are you doing? We're not stealing anything. But they're all pushing each other towards this back door, which is shut. They can't get it open for some reason. They hear the front door open and close. They know Mr. Crowell's coming to the house. So there's only one other exit out the back of the house and it's through the kitchen. But they're going to have to go into the hallway and possibly run right into their teacher to get out of the house. And they are running like hell across town. I mean, they are beating feet. And Spencer has this death grip on Mr. Crowell's CD player. So he has straight up robbed him at this point. Jeez. Yeah, everybody's kind of pissed at Spencer because he wasn't supposed to take it that far. I mean, remember, he promised he was going to tell them before he did something crazy. Right. And here he is committing theft and he didn't warn anybody. And the guys kind of think it's kind of awesome. Like they're, you know, they're high fiving, whatever. They're not in the least bit concerned about getting caught. But the girls are like, fuck you guys, we're going home. So they get home and Cassie's phone rings again, and it's the whisper person on the other end, and he's saying, I know what you did. I know what you took. I saw everything, right? And she thinks it's Brian. She's like, Brian, stop it. Enough. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not scaring me. I'm not dating with you. Please stop calling. And she hangs up. After that, she calls Cassie. Cassie's like, I feel like crap about what just happened. They both agree the night games have to stop, and they're going to tell mm -hmm. the boys the next day they're not doing it anymore they're too Good close idea. to getting caught no one's you know nobody wants to get in trouble they're done and the guys of course when they hear this information they're like you're overreacting they want to go again they want to go out again and she tells them about the phone calls somebody is watching us somebody is seeing what we're doing we're gonna get caught and when they hear that they're like okay well yeah we probably should not do this anymore then I'm thinking what? this guy has this Nate. He has neighbors, right? Yeah, but it's <laughs> after midnight. But you don't know what people are. They could be awake. They could work nights. You don't know. You're assuming a lot. You're just. I like, guess we are. No one. I mean, he was awake that first night, trimming his tree. So <sighs> the next door neighbor could be up doing the same thing. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, and, and I agree. I agree. The way Stein writes it is like this town at night is almost like another dimension. Mm, it's just dead. Like it, it, yeah, it just it feels post-apocalyptic. Like okay. there's it feels like there is no one there. Okay. 
And that's probably by design so that we can have this story and that nobody busts right. these kids. Like, no, because you're right. It's real. Midnight's really not that late. There's probably a lot of people that are still. I have to suspend my realistic brain and be like, dude, <laughs> someone right. is going to see you. <laughs> Well, apparently someone has, right? Yeah, right. So they, they're they all going to go to Spencer's house after school. They're going to tell him, we're not doing this anymore. Like, mm-hmm. somebody's watching us. We're going to get caught. So they meet up at Spencer's. Spencer's house is all dark. There's nobody there. So they all just decide to go home. Diane goes over to Cassie's house. She has dinner. They study. They live very close to each other. I feel like they live on opposite ends of the street. Diane walks home from Cassie's house. She's walking down the street and she starts to feel like there's someone watching her. Like she's getting those pricklies feelings. Mm. She's looking around. She's not seeing anybody. But the farther she goes, the more she's sure that someone is watching her. And of course, someone reaches out of a bush and grabs her hand. (laughs) Who's in the bush, Danielle? Uh, I don't know. It's not Spencer. Hmm. It's Brian. That was my second guess. Damn it. He saw her walking home from Cassie's. He wants to talk to her. And he's getting oh. more and more aggressive. Ew. He wants her to give him a chance. He thinks that she needs a better guy than Lenny. She needs someone who can protect her. Diane tells him, again, like in no uncertain terms, please, seriously, fuck off. And to stay out of her way, to stay away from her friends, to stop with the phone calls. Brian denies being the one who's calling her. And then he goes a little bit rapey on her. And he's like, got her by the wrist. And he's not going to let her go. And he's saying things like, you know, why won't you just give me a chance? And you know I'd never hurt you, right? Okay, psycho. A car rolls by. Brian drops her wrist and kind of runs off down the block, right? And we don't hear from Brian again from that night. He kind of got caught, I guess. I don't know what he was working himself up to do, but Brian's not a good guy. When Diane gets to her house, she sees that her parents have gone out. So she's got the house all to herself. This is hilarious. She grabs a snack and she heads to the den. Most people have converted their den into something fancy pants. (laughs) But do you remember that? Like, Oh, yeah. I think technically my aunt had one. I don't, I mean, what classified a den? You had to go down into it from. I don't know. They always had steps. Right. Because like she had a house at one point where there was a room and you had to go down. It wasn't like a long flight of stairs. It was, you know, a little bit of some stairs and you go down into it and it was just a big giant playroom. Like there was a TV down there, but she would send all of us down there when we were younger, like get the hell out of our way. Go play with your Nerf guns. (laughs) Like kill each other somewhere else you know yeah, so we could do it somewhere else right? yeah because it was a really big space so you we could have nerf guns in there and not break something you know because there really wasn't much in there so that to me was was a den and then i think i'm trying to think my boss might have one i dog sat for him once and he has like I a down remember downstairs. the last time i heard that reference like someone referred to a room as the den and yeah, I me either. I can't remember. So she heads to the den to watch some TV. <laughs> and she's just about to sit down and there's a knock on the door. And it's Lenny. Lenny is distraught. Mr. Crowell called his parents and told him that he got kicked out of the basketball team. And also, by the way, he's failing my math class. And Lenny's parents are not the nicest of people. Like, I feel like Lenny might have gotten knocked around a little bit. And... So he's come over to Diane's to kind of, like, try to calm down. And he also confesses to her that he has these very realistic fantasies where he's literally beating Mr. Crowell to death. Ew. So Diane does the only things she can think to do. She kisses him. And they start making out. She's trying to relax him. And it works a little bit. I mean... Lenny gets more relaxed. But right as they're kind of getting into it, someone starts beating on the door again. And this time it's Cassie. Cassie has found a note in her bag and she ran down the street to show Diane. And the note says, 
that they know all about their night games and that they're all going to pay blah, blah, blah threats, right? Mm. She doesn't recognize the handwriting and they start kind of swapping theories. Lenny, of course, thinks it's Mr. Crowell. He saw them that night. He's fucking with them because he's an evil bastard and that's what you do. Diane thinks it's Brian because Brian's a little rapey and he seems to have kind of a grudge against Diane for not dating him. And Cassie thinks that it's Spencer because Spencer's a little bit nuts, right? Then there's another knock at the door and it's actually Spencer. Spencer's got a note too. And his note says, night games can be dangerous. Sometimes people die. I know. We're going on a journey, but it's all going to come together. <laughs> I thought at this point we've been, we've done a couple of these books. So I kind of thought maybe I knew where we were going. I did yeah. not know where we were going. Uh, not at all. Now we've got another flashback. Okay. We go back to a year ago. We go back to the cabin trip and it's the morning after Lenny punches Spencer in the face for kissing Diane. Mm. They're outside and they're kind of having this like snowball fight with all the friends and just like all snowball fights, it starts to get out of hand, okay? Spencer's kind of pissed about getting punched in the face. So he packs up these really tight snowballs, and then he melts them on the outside with his hands a little bit. If you've ever been in a snowball fight, this is a really dirty trick, okay? This is not done. This is 100% taboo. <laughs> make a ball of ice, okay? Mm. And those fuckers hurt, and they yeah. can hurt you. So Spencer makes two of these and he throws the first one at Lenny's face and he misses. It goes straight by him. It's Jordan in the head. And before Jordan can react, Spencer throws that second one and he nails Lenny in the face. He nails him so hard it draws blood. Okay. Spencer has crossed a line. And this is not new, tall, athletic dangerous spencer this is old school chubby mm -hmm. punching bag spencer okay and everybody knows that throwing the ice snowballs is a dick move and it's meant to hurt somebody so jordan and Lenny start kind of like slowly walking towards spencer because they're about to kick his ass and yeah. they are closing in so they take him and they start to bury him in snow and they're laughing and jeering and yelling, bury him, bury him. And they hold him down and they keep piling snow on top of him. They keep packing snow on top of him more and more. And Spencer tries to open his mouth to tell him to stop, but his mouth gets filled with snow. And they just keep piling it on more and more and packing it down and tamping it down and jumping up and down on top of him, packing him into oh the God. snow. And he can't move. He can't call out. And we all know from our episode from the snowman, you can suffocate and die from being packed in snow. So Spencer yeah. starts to freak out. Can't move. Can't breathe. He's freezing. And he can hear the boys yelling, race you home, Spencer. And the girls are saying they can't just leave him there. But the guys are like, oh, you know, he's just sulking. He can get out anytime he wants. It's a joke. It's just a joke. Like, he's just mad because we, you know, we got him, whatever. He can get out whenever he wants. He's fine. Spencer hears the car start up and drive away. They left him there. All of them. Even Diane. They buried him in snow and drove away. Wow. So now we get a time jump again. We're back in the present. Okay. 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 You drink a wine here. <laughs> Going on a journey. I, I hear you, Luna. I hear you. Oh. Luna doesn't agree either. In a last attempt to get back on the basketball team, Lenny is going to go try and reason with Mr. Crowell. He's going to talk to him about his grade. He's making an effort. He's even like dressed up a little bit. But it completely does not work. They start screaming at each other. Mr. Crowell tells Lenny, you know, you're wasting your time. You need to get out. Mm. Lenny and Diane head over to the gym where Jordan is still practicing with the team. Lenny pulls Jordan aside. He kind of whispers something to Jordan. Jordan nods, goes back out on the court. Lenny calls Diane over and tells her they're going out tonight one more time. One more night game. One more trip 
to their teacher's mm. house tonight. She does it. She goes. They all meet up. It is freezing. Snow has started to fall. And no one's really talking this time. We're not really having fun anymore. Spencer, Jordan, and Lenny, they're all kind of quiet and determined. And the girls are sort of hanging back. They're exchanging worried glances. They get to Mr. Crowell's house and it's dark again. There's no lights on. Not inside, not outside. So they go in through that same window. And seriously, dude, fucking lock your windows. Okay, whatever. They're just in and out of windows all day long. They start to fan out into the house. Diane notices Lenny's carrying a gun. Oh my God. And the girls flip out. They're like, you need to put that away. Lenny's like, don't worry. No one's going to get hurt. But he doesn't put it away either. And then she gets a better look at it. And actually, it's a can of spray paint. Because those things look a lot alike, I guess, in the dark. Um, (laughs) I don't know. It's a weird thing. Lenny started spraying everything with paint. Bookcases. Walls. Pictures. He is enjoying himself. He's trashing this teacher's living room. Fucking spray painting anything that's holding still. Cassie pulls Diane aside and she's like, fuck these guys. Can we just go? Let's just go. Like, I, like this is bad. We are, we are in a bad situation. Let us leave. And they realize Jordan and Spencer are not around. But where'd they go? Hmm. They can hear voices in the hallway. And when the girls find Jordan and Spencer, they're standing, staring at the floor, at Mr. Crowell's dead body. He's a strange, like, gray color. He's all sprawled out on the floor. His glasses are sitting next to him, and both the frames, the glass has been smashed out of the glasses. Let's go. It's time to go. Dead body in here. Let's go. <laughs> so Diane's first thought is, oh, shit, Lenny killed him. Like, Lenny went too far. Lenny Lenny comes into the room. He sees the body. He's like, oh, man, I just spray paid this whole house. They're going to think, I did it. I didn't do this. We need to leave. They'll know it's me. And she's like, well, did you sign it? He's like, no, I didn't sign it, but I threw the spray paint can and I don't know where it went. So they're in the dark feeling around for this spray paint can because the can's got Lenny's prints on it. They need to get this can. They need to get the hell out. Jordan finds the can. It was underneath the Christmas tree. They take off running down the street and everybody's freaking out. Everybody's freaking out because now we have a dead body. Diane actually is like sick over it. Like she's throwing up, whatever. She calls Cassie the next morning. Cassie's like, it's on the news. They found Mr. Crowell's body. They said it was a heart attack, but they think an intruder broke in and gave him a heart attack. They're going to have a memorial for this teacher at school the next day. Diane's not going to be there. She's sick as hell. She's wrapped up in a blanket. She's watching TV. She's not doing well. She hears this knock on the door. She looks outside and there's this big rolled up piece of paper sitting out on the porch. And it's about the size of like a banner, right? That that you would write like happy birthday or whatever on. And spray painted in the same color of spray paint is you'll die next. And as she's reading this message, Cassie walks up. She's got a rolled up piece of paper. Lenny walks up. He's got a rolled up piece of paper. They're all the same. So they decide they're going to go look for Jordan to see if he also got this death threat. Cruising around town, they finally see Jordan's car at like a little restaurant. They walk up. They see Jordan and Brian sitting in the same booth of this restaurant. And they're like kind of having this heated whispered discussion. So immediately Diane starts to connect the dots and she remembers Jordan's the one who found the spray paint can. You're the one behind this. You're the one doing this. You found the spray paint can. Why are you doing this to us? Are you in it with him? Like what's going on? Yeah. Jordan's like, Hey, I didn't do this. Yeah. I found the spray paint can, but I gave it to Spencer. So now they all go and look for Spencer. They leave Brian behind. The four of them go to look for Spencer. They're going to confront him. Everybody's decided Spencer's the one. Spencer's unhinged. We don't know why he's doing this, but he's doing this to us. So they go to Spencer's house. 
Spencer's house is dark. There's no lights on. And they decide they're gonna they're gonna go in. They're gonna break in. They're gonna wait for Spencer because that's what they do. They climb into windows, whatever. <laughs> so they, as they get closer to Spencer's house, though, they realize this place is kind of a dump. Like it, it it's kind of run down. And they get close and they look in the windows and Diane kind of <gasps> is taken aback and they're like, "What is it? What is it?" And so she just opens the window goes into the living room and they all kind of file in behind her and they stop and they look around and they realize this is a vacant house. There's no furniture. There's no heat. There's no lights. Nobody has lived here for a very long time. And they walk into the next room and Spencer's dead body is on the floor. It's face down. His neck is at an odd angle, an unnatural bend. And they immediately start freaking out. Spencer's dead. She goes over, she checks him. He's cold. He's been dead for a minute. And they start to think, okay, well, his killer has to still be in the house. Like, what if we're in danger? So the guys kind of look through the house. They don't find anyone else there. And then Jordan says, well, did anybody check his pulse? Maybe he's not really dead. And Diane's like, he's he's 100% dead. He's cold. He's dead for sure. And as soon as she says that, she hears that scratchy, whispery voice from the phone. It's coming from Spencer. Spencer sits up, turns his head completely around, and said, yeah, I'm dead. I've been dead for a while. He floats up into the air, about two feet off the ground. He's got decayed face, black eyes. He's floating through the air slowly towards Diane. And his mouth is dropped open in an unnatural, elongated way. And he's laughing. He's laughing this evil, like, demonic laugh going straight for Diane and he goes into this evil villain monologue where he tells them that he did die that day in the snow and that the hate that he had for these kids who killed him for a joke kept him there kept him brought him back brought him there so he could kill all of them Here's where I'm like, I've got heavy metal music in the background. I'm like, fuck yeah, this is the coolest like horror twist we've had yet. Yeah. It's paranormal. I'm all about it. And then we get <laughs> the equivalent of a Care Bear stare. Okay. <laughs> because Diane, who is taking this information in, he floats towards her, starts to strangle her. She starts to black out. She's losing it. She's dying. She comes to just enough to put her arms around him and give him a hug and tell him that she likes him. She's always liked him. She's missed him. And he starts going, no, my hate is the only thing that's keeping me here. Oh and then God. everybody else catches on and it becomes this like group hug. Oh no. And they're all talking about how much they like him and like how great <laughs> he is. And, like it's it's literally a care bear stare. Okay. Wow. And he's screaming, no, and he's melting like the wicked witch of the West. Melting. I know. <laughs> so They've taken him out. They have defeated evil, floating, mouth-dropping Spencer with a friggin' group hug, okay? <laughs> and they're all happy and smiling. And now we're in Diane's point of view, and she's like, I wish I could be happy and smiling too, but I can't. All I feel is hate. All I feel is hate for these kids 
who are still alive when I'm not. Because Spencer actually strangled her to death. With that same hate that brought Spencer back has now brought Diane back. And they don't know that she's dead. So the end of this book is her saying, do I tell them I'm dead? Or do I play some games of my own? And that's the end. I liked that twist. Not where you thought it was going, right? But the group hug killed it. (laughs) That only happened in like the last three chapters. Mm. And I felt like we spent so much time on them creeping around this town. Right. And it it almost got a little long winded. Like at some point, I wish, I wish we would have found out mid book. Mm hmm. That Spencer was this paranormal force. Yeah. And that maybe we wouldn't kill him with kindness. Maybe we'd, you know, have to mm-hmm. do a little more work or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was a good twist and mm-hmm. I definitely enjoyed it. I definitely saw him in my mind as like kind of a black eyed kid kind of like floating towards her because he had that long blonde hair. Yeah. All I'll say is if this gets included in the Fair Street movie leave out the group hug whoever is listening if you care leave it out (laughs) that's a theme for him though because remember in the in the haunted mask when it was like this is a symbol of love it's all yeah a lot of it is very i mean i get it you it's a morality thing so it's like we were bad and now we have to love you but did they really love spencer no No, they were just trying to kill him. Right. In the Haunted Mask, at least, that was really a symbol of love. Her mom did love her and wanted to make this thing because she loved her. You know, that's more of a moral thing. Like, you know, your parents do love you, but this wasn't. This was just save your ass. You know? Well, I kind of, on the other hand, I kind of appreciate that. Because as as kind of lame as that was, Mm -hmm. at the same time, he didn't feel the need to, like, make anybody learn a lesson in this one. Everybody got out, kind of, and we've set ourselves up for a sequel. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, like nobody really learned anything. Nope. They're still assholes. The end. Mm. <laughs> the end. <laughs> and we're all assholes. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> if we ever have merch, that's gonna be that's gonna be on a mug. Yes. And we're all assholes. The end. <laughs> I love it. Danielle, do you want to talk about the Patreon real quick before we go? I do. The Patreon is pretty cool. It's just kind of getting started. We have some funsies people in there already that we've shouted out. Because at $2 a month, which is Team Goosebumps, the best team. Just kidding. Or Team Fear Street. (laughs) You get a special toast on the show. And if you've listened to previous episodes, we've shouted out Christy's wonderful husband, the paranormal chicks, the haunted heart. So all those guys are awesome. And at $5 a month, which is team snacks, you get your toast on the show, but then you also get to request a book for either of us to cover your choice. For mine, I was given the haunted mask. So thanks to Kenny again for that one. And at $10 a month, it's the Haunted Sandwich, which is the toast. You get a book to pick from and you have access to snack recipes that don't exist because we have no donors at this level. So (laughs) if you want to know about our amazing snack recipes, I'll find some. Christy will find some. We'll make it up. I promise they won't always be ants on a log, but they might be. Ants on a log are the best. That's $10 a month. And then at $15 a month, we have Camp Jelly Jam Counselor, which is everything I just said, including the non-existent snacks. And you get to ask us for one favor. And no, it is not a send nudes kind of favor except of our podcast dogs, all of which are shameless nudists. So ask away 
about the dog. Very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all true. <laughs> Mine won't wear a shirt to save their lives, so can't do it. And as you know, Patreon helps us with covering the cost of producing the show. And just to make the show a little better for you guys, one of our main goals is to get me a new mic because the podcast ghost, who is named Mordecai, he's demanding a new mic. So Mordecai says, I'm going to come after you if you don't get this new mic. So save me from the podcast ghost and join Patreon. (laughs) I love that Mordecai has a name now. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. (laughs) Morty. Morty. Oh, Morty. <laughs> it's Morty so, on a good day, Mordecai on a bad day. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I mean, what who are we dealing with here? Is it is it like um on Parks and Rec when it's Johnny Karate? <laughs> when it's a serious like thing, it's it's his older bro- brother, yes. Jonathan Karate. Well, good stuff. So yeah, go check out the Patreon. Next episode, Diane. Wow, I almost <laughs> called you Diane. <laughs> oh Lord, I need another glass of wine. Um, <laughs> next episode, Danielle is going to take us back to Goosebumps. And am I reading this right? Is it going to be <laughs> a shocker on Shock Street? It is. <laughs> Shockity shock shocker shock, shocker. Shock. Yeah. I had to practice oh. my tongue twisters for that one. So until next time, we are out. Like the milk in the fridge. But you left the empty carton in there, didn't you? Again. <laughs> yeah.